This is Clearly Christian with Dr. Cy Smith, bringing light and giving voice to our country's single greatest hope while moving the culture to God's design. Our mission, to increase the census of those who live and influence society from a biblical worldview. The time for Clearly Christian is now. Here is your host, Dr. Cy Smith. I'm Dr. Cy Smith, and this is Clearly Christian a podcast about what it means to see the world from God's perspective, and then the impact that this has on training the next generation to live a life consistent with the biblical worldview. I'm joined today by our guest, Mr. Lyle Wells, and Lyle has, in short time, emerged as one of my favorite leadership speakers, and I know you're going to enjoy our time together today. He's the president of the Integris Leadership Group, and he's going to tell you a little bit more about that later on in our show. But this is a big win for us, so we're just delighted to have him join us today. But first, let's set that up, and let's go to school, and let me tell you what I want you to know today. Today, you need to know more about leadership training for the next generation and why that's so critical for Christians to understand. You know, this is really essential to what this, and it's the foundation to what this podcast is really all about. Because as I've said before, I believe that for us to move the needle in this country or turn our country back to God and back to where he'd have us to go, we have to increase the number of people who live and operate with a biblical worldview. And the best way to do that, I believe, the best way to achieve success here is by increasing the number of kids in the next generation who have had a Christian education, either at home or at school. In Christian schools, we're desperately trying to train the next generation to lead and think from a biblical worldview and then multiply themselves just as Jesus did with the 12 disciples. And this, again, is how we're going to move the culture to where God wants us to go. You know, it's not difficult to explain what's really caused the mess that we find ourselves in today. You know, most people really have no idea or have no context for understanding what it means to live with a biblical worldview or live out life from God's perspective. Many will say they're Christians and perhaps uh, do their best to operate in that way, but they really have not thought this through. And they've never certainly been trained uh, in this regard from preschool to graduate school to make this connection between my everyday life and my biblical worldview or living things out from God's perspective. But for the kids growing up in this generation, in fact, there's always been a disconnect for them between Christianity and the world that they face every day. The idea that truth is found in the Bible and God's established standards for living, right standards for living, and they're found in his word, that idea has long been removed from media, from politics, from government education, of course, uh, and certainly from the workforce. Um, As a matter of fact, they've grown up in a culture where really God has been treated as irrelevant. And this is fine for you in terms of what you want to believe, but your faith has become largely a personal private matter. It doesn't have any influence in the public sphere. The challenge, however, is this generation, as a professional educator, I can tell you, Gen Z, these kids in school today, they're quite capable of leading, and surveys show they're anxious to make a positive impact on the world. 
In fact, they've always grown up in educational settings where the four C's, uh, critical thinking, uh, creativity, communication, and collaboration, these things have always been a key part of their education, even from the earliest ages, especially with the advent of STEM and all kinds of new approaches to learning. I can recall we did a video with our kindergarten students a couple of years ago where these five-year-olds were explaining how an aquaponic garden worked and how the fish waste is translated or transferred and becomes food for plants and vegetables. And it was just fascinating to hear these five-year-olds explaining how this works, and they had a part in creating this in their class. They are used to working together to solve problems. And my point is, if we can work together with the home and the church and the school to educate this generation well in a biblical worldview, they seem to have the confidence and the desire to lead and impact our culture. So there's several chalkboard points I want to make today as we get ready to launch into this. Number one, faith is not just a personal, private matter. It's a worldview that has impact or has implications for your own contribution to society. So again, number one, it's not just a personal private matter. Chalkboard point number two, leadership is influence, and we have to be intentional about our training of the next generation. And point number three, Christian schools exist to inspire students to lead the church, to serve the world, and work for others. In short, and in summary, we've got to train students to lead and, again, solve problems from a biblical worldview, not keeping their faith to themselves, but rather influencing others with their leadership, multiplying themselves, and, again, hoping to transform our culture back to, again, the Christian standard of living that God set forward in His Word. Well, now you know more, and as I've said When you know more, you can do more. You can think differently, you can act differently, and you can respond to those convictions, and you can say no more when you must. All right, let's put this lesson plan into action, and let's welcome our guest with us today. Again, Mr. Lyle Wells, president of the Integris Leadership Group, and again, he is always the highlight. I just heard him speak in Kansas City with ACSI, Uh, super pleased uh, to be a part of that event, and again, uh, just a wonderful speaker on leadership, and he can tell us again what Integris does, but I know from his background that he is a coach and an advisor to executives across multiple fields uh, of leadership, of course, uh, probably not only nationally, but uh, globally as well. Uh, And I know he's worked in uh, school level, high school level, K-12 level, worked at the college level. I know he's a basketball coach at one time, and he's most recently an author, publishing his first book, which I love, The Five-Day Leader. And I love this byline. I'm just going to read it. An insanely practical guide for relentless growth, ridiculous routines, and resilient relationships. That is such a great title, brother. We just appreciate that. And I also love that in your bio, you mentioned your love of basketball, greasy burgers, and sizzling fajitas. That is one great bio. Welcome. Oh, Cy, it's so good to be here. You know, it's fun that you and I get to take this conversation uh, to some others, because I think at every event, you've been one of the most enthusiastic participants. You've always pulled <laughs> me aside. We've always had these sidebar conversations. And now we get to do one and record it and share it with the world. So um, I'm honored to be with you today. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you and your work. And I told uh, our producer right out of the gate that this is going to be a great episode. We're going to enjoy it. And it's going to be a great conversation. So thanks again for 
taking that time. I call you one of my, uh, or I call you a mic drop speaker because you have said so many great lines over the years. I probably have a notebook full of things that it's like, wow, that is, that is, that's great. I wish I could always remember all the context. But last time you said this line that I wrote down and I thought we could start there because I think it's a good launching point. You said, if it's not about others, it's broken. And that was just, that was convicting. And I think everybody in the room, we all felt it. And we kind of knew what you meant, but that's the kind of line where we know the person who said it has given that great thought. And so I thought, hey, tell us a little bit about why that motivates you, why you got into this line of work and why leadership just commands so much of our attention. Well, Sai, it starts with this simple paradigm that nobody wants to be average. I mean, you're ahead of school. You could go down to third grade career day every year and every kid that stands up to speak wants to play professional sports. They want to go to Broadway. They want to run their own company or have their own TV show. I mean, I even think about adults. You know, when I'm in a room, I'll ask, who are the car singers? And, you know, two thirds of the room will raise their hand. And I always ask them, so who sings backup when you're in the car? Not you. You know, you're taking over for Beyonce. You're taking over for Casting Crowns. So nobody wants to be average. Uh, we're, you know, ultimately, when you think about a biblical worldview, we're children of a king. And so, um, but on our way to pursuing our assignment or our destiny, side people get stuck or scared. They get stuck, they, they run out of skill, or they get scared, they run out of courage. I think it's fascinating if you go to Deuteronomy 3.28, the Lord has told Moses, you're not going to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. And the Lord tells Moses, go commission Joshua, strengthen and encourage him, give him skills, help him get unstuck and give him courage, help him to be not afraid to take the leadership mantle and go into the promised land. So, you know, that's why this idea of it's not about others, it's broken. Sai, if I have one gift that the Lord's given me, it's that I've never, ever really been jealous of anybody else's success. Um, you know, I was fine being the third best player on a team or the fifth best player on a team. If my buddy got the prom queen to go out with him, I thought that was awesome. And so my heart is um, help people get unstuck or give people the courage to step into their God-given calling, assignment, and destiny. That's what leadership is. You said it's influence. It's ultimately how your behavior influences other people. Yeah, well said. Yep, I love that. And uh, you're exactly right. Nobody wants to be average. I got a school full of kids. That That's uh, so true. And I could start down at those youngest levels and go right to those 18-year-olds, and we could talk through those things and yeah, and you're, you're so right. And why is it that the older we get, the more we realize these things and the, the, the wiser we get, as they say, and we say, boy, I wish I would have realized this as a younger person. And that kind of leads us, you know, right into where I wanted to go next. Uh, you mentioned last time as we ran through a couple of principles for leaders that you said, hey, boy, this is something I wish we could even teach in in kindergarten, I think you said, because this leadership principle is so basic. And I think it had something to do with the fact of, you know, realizing early on what you're in control of and what you can control and what you can't control. And I think that was the context there. But that immediately yeah. got me thinking, boy, we should be doing this with our kids, maybe at every grade or at least at grade bands, 
to really start leadership training early. And that's what I was talking about when I grabbed you there at the, in the hallway in the door. And I said, man, I think we're onto something here. I probably shouldn't be mentioning this on a podcast because I don't want anybody else to steal my thunder. But I really want to give some thought to this. And, and, and maybe you can speak to that. What, what was that lesson that you, know, you had talked about at that young level? And then would you agree that, boy, is there a, is there a window or an opportunity to even start this you know, and not be facetious about it, but saying, yep, nope, I think there's some things that are so basic, we could start at those young ages to really train what I'm trying to do, train the next generation. Sai, absolutely. All right. Proverbs says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. I mean, we're all familiar with that verse. But, you know, you used the word training earlier in your introduction. And here's what we have to understand about training. We train means that we invest effort into something that will eventually give us a reward. Uh, last week, I was back in Kansas City, and I stayed at a hotel that had been completely remodeled. Their workout room was phenomenal. I had three or four of the best workouts I've had all year. But, Cy, you know what? I came home, and the pants I wore on Sunday still fit me the next Sunday, right? I mean, four great workouts didn't take me down a pant size. But if I have four great workouts a week for three or four months, if I train, you know, I, I will lose weight. I will become more fit. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's really interesting. I got into this leadership journey when I was a college athletic director. We had leaders assigned leaders, team captains, and a few of them had made some bad decisions. Nothing, you know, nothing that would make the headlines of the paper, knucklehead things that 20-year-olds do. And I said, how, how do you pick your captains? And my coaches said, they're either the best player or they're seniors. Now, Cy, neither yeah. one of those are qualifiers for leadership. And my thought was, we're sending kids to battle with butter knives. We're telling them to be leaders but we've never trained them. We've never coached them. And so I started a class called Captain's Club, 6.30 on Tuesday mornings. You can imagine in college, those players really loved me. But we got together at <laughs> 6.30 and started teaching them leadership principles. But we should have been teaching them when they were five years old. The principle that you referenced, there's a circle of control. There are behaviors. There are circumstances that ultimately we control how I react, the attitude, the effort, um, the skill level that I choose to develop, my prayer time, my, my, my spiritual disciplines, I control those. Now, there's a lot of things outside that are a circle of concern. Could be the weather, could be my boss, could be the economy, could be the political environment of my city, but I don't control those. I'd love to start teaching five years old, here's the things that we control, right? And so focus on the things that you can control. Take responsibility for your behavior. Because, Sai, as you're talking about training up the next generation, here's a key. Yeah. If I don't take responsibility for my behavior, ultimately somebody else is going to have to. Right? If I don't deal with my stuff, other people have to. And that's whether I'm a lazy employee, whether I'm an angry husband, whether I'm a dysfunctional team member at my business. If I don't deal with my stuff, other people have to. So from five years old, start teaching this idea of what do you control? All right. Well, he did this to me on the playground. Don't be a victim. What do you control? Your response and your attitude. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to handle it well? What's the next right thing to do? So I agree with everything that you're saying. And, and 
Ty, offline, let's have a conversation. But I think there should be a progressive curriculum from kindergarten through high school, leadership principles, character traits that we want to instill in our young people so that we are graduating a product that does make everywhere they go in our culture better and brighter because they're reflecting the glory of God. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I scribbled down in my notes in Kansas City. Boy, let's pursue this because I think we give it a lot of lip service in Christian schools. And we talk a lot about we're training the next generation of leaders. And we just assume, like you said, that they're going to pick it up maybe from watching us or they're just going to they're going to be so bold in their convictions that maybe they'll they'll act on it. And eventually you'll be a leader maybe 10 years after you leave us or something like that. Yeah. But we haven't been real intentional about it. We didn't really take you uh, away from uh, a course or anything like that. We still uh, worked you through school as normal. And I know a few years ago, we created what we call a, yeah, a student discipleship plan where we said, hey, if we're going to get serious about spiritual formation, we need to start discipling them with a clear plan that's documented that works using adolescent psychology and what can they handle at even age four or five and six, and then really have a plan to grow them so that the teacher comes in and knows what to do. I think we need that same thing for leadership to document Absolutely. something that says, if you get, if you graduate from XYZ university and you're 24 years old and you get dumped into the fourth grade at XYZ Christian school, you may have a struggle with what's my role in building leadership principles into this child. Oh, guess what? We have a blueprint for that. And we're going to help you with that because here's what a nine-year-old can learn and can uh, understand with regard to leadership. So I'm telling well, you, this and, is gold. Si, and people pay money to come to your school. Am I right? They do. Yeah. So why not give them the greatest value, you know, create a competitive advantage? What if a kid could graduate with, you know, we have gifted and talented kids graduate with honors or they graduate with a certain cord because they went through gifted and talented. Why wouldn't we have certified leadership classes and kids that took our certified leadership curriculum graduate, you know, as an endorsed leader, understanding these principles, it gives them a competitive advantage in the marketplace when they apply for colleges. I mean, I love where you're going with that. Yeah, right. What college wouldn't want that child? Right. Because exactly. the, the return on investment there is going to be fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so, we get, well, we get it. Let's see if anybody else gets it, right? <laughs> well, we're, we're <laughs> going to get good. to work. So stay on after we're done. That's right. Speaking of the next generation, uh, you're working, I'm sure, with young leaders um, what yep. are, you know, what are you seeing? Maybe some leadership gaps coming out of this generation. And my goal or my point in saying this is not to, uh, to hammer millennials or anything like that, but just to say, Hey, where do you think, you know, we're at as a culture in terms of, Hey, here's some things that you've been doing this for a long time. Here's some things that are missing with the younger people, uh, coming up that I'm, I'm needing to spend time with anything come to mind. Yeah. I'd say three things. Si. Number one, mm. um, uh, younger leaders, what we're finding um, is uh, almost a crisis of confidence. One of the mistakes oh, wow. that we've made as educators is we've confused self-esteem with self-confidence. Self-esteem is belief-based. How do I feel about mm. myself? Self-confidence is skills-based. Uh, so do I have a tool for whatever situation I'm in? And so what what, what has happened is 
we've focused so much on self-esteem that we haven't focused on self-confidence. And so we're graduating a lot of kids who have a skill set of taking a test, memorizing information, regurgitating it, or mm. finding it on the internet. When, you know, Cy, I mean, and I don't want to sound like the two old guys uh, right. back in the day we walked uphill to snow, but, you know, you were kicked out of your house at 8.30 every morning in the summer. And your parents had a philosophy, Cy, go figure it out. What am I supposed to do all day? Play. Play what? Figure it out. With who? You better go make some friends. When can I come home? When the streetlights come on. I mean, there, there was a whole different paradigm of go be creative. Figure it out. Um, the world's a safe place. It's an adventure looking for a place to happen. Mm. Now kids are trained almost exactly the opposite. Stay close. Stay safe. Don't take risks. Mm. Right? Um, risks are scary. And, you know, so when we have a crisis of confidence, kids are afraid to fail. And a highly mm. confident person, I mean, when I work with, you know, CEOs of Fortune 100 companies, when I work with coaches and professional athletes, they don't lack confidence because they're incredibly skilled. The second yeah. is um, there's a fear of consequences. Kids are truly afraid to fail and they've never been consequenced appropriately. Um, they've never been taught. They've never learned that um, losses or failure can be a great, great catalyst for growth. Um, you think back over your life. I think back over mine. And some of my best growth seasons were the result of a pretty significant failure. But it didn't crush me. Mm -hmm. It inspired me. And then the one that you said earlier that makes all the sense in the world is this idea that, of intentionality. I've got to align my behavior with whatever my desired outcome is. You know, I mean, whether it's a kid that says, I want to be a starter on the basketball team. Well, how many hours are you shooting in the gym after school? You know, you're not going to get better than everybody else if you just go to the same practice everybody else goes to. Right. Yeah. Or I, 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 I want to be rich. So what are you doing, young entrepreneur, to differentiate you from the marketplace? What's going to be your competitive advantage? Greatness demands intentionality. There's one of those mic drops. You're, you're never yeah. going to become great at something, whether it's marriage, business, a disciple, unless you're incredibly intentional about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Boy, and right, those three uh, I, I've heard before, and those are those are uh, you hit it right on the head. Uh, exactly. The lack of confidence, which uh, we're we're finding that on a regular basis. Where is that coming from? And yet you balance that with what we know is they, they feel very entitled. So somehow they've got both of those things uh, going on at the same time. Uh, the fear of yep. consequences. And yet they also can be creative and they can be restless, as Tim Elmore says in his book. You know, they want to do things. And as I said in my my intro, they they want to impact the world. And yet I'm. I'm feeling like, I don't know if I want to fail. Like you said, I don't want to take any risk and things like that. So I've got this desire, but I'm not sure how to make this connection. And then, yes, uh, I, I, do I expect this is just going to be dropped into my lap? And that's where you were going with this uh, intentionality yeah. and this sense of entitlement. So they are a difficult group to figure out. Cy, si, here, here's what's really important. Um, you know, whether, we're, whether parents are hearing us, uh, employers, uh, other school leaders, um, what I've learned is when you hire a high character person, um, they're mm. still going to fail. But high mm. 
character people don't make the same mistakes twice. And so, mm. you know, our, our philosophy at Integris, hire high character people and then, and then empower them to go out. I mean, teach them, give them tools, but then empower them to go out and, and try to figure it out a little bit on their own. Uh, the mantra that I use with our team is, I'll pay tuition, I won't pay welfare. So if you go out and you try to make something happen and you had a great idea, like right now, I mean, we're in the middle of a three-year initiative that I'm not sure was the right idea. But you know what? I don't, I don't worry about the money or the time we've invested because we're learning from that. We're growing from that. So mm. I'm not afraid to make a mistake because every great mistake is tuition with high character people. But we'll pay tuition. We won't pay welfare. Don't sit there and wait for yeah. me to figure it out for you. I won't do that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I preach the same thing here. I'm always pleading with them. Just try something. Be innovative, be creative, and then you will learn from that and go ahead and, and take that risk. And if it didn't work, tell me why. Uh, tell me that it bombed. I appreciate your transparency and that what you're going to do to correct it in the future. Do not sit back. I mean, we we now are operating, even private schools, we're operating in this day and age of, listen, uh, this is a customer service business. We have people we have to respond to. It's 24-7. We don't just fold the papers at Memorial Day weekend and say, hey, I'll see you on Labor Day. No, we have yeah. 365 customers to keep track of. Retention and recruitment never stops. And so we're just constantly saying, listen, you have to be making us better every day. And if you're not, then we're sliding in the other direction. And so what are you doing? And if you're running out of ideas, then let's get in a group and let's talk about it. But and even if you're not sure, just try it. Just try it. And let me see what happens because I want to see some tangible results. So I don't need to preach to you, but I feel like I'm giving a speech at the, uh, at the opening teacher's orientation here. <laughs> well, Cy, there's a great book called The Last Lecture. Um, and I'll be really mm. quick with this story. But um, uh, Carnegie Mellon University had a program where once a month, a professor would give a lecture if it's the last one they'd ever give. And one mm. of their most popular professors was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he gave his very last lecture. Um, mm. And uh, the book became a New York Times bestseller. This was 15 years ago. But he talks about in the book what he called the Penguin Award. And he taught computer science and he said, I want our kids to take chances. So he gave an award every year in the class called the Penguin Award, which comes from this idea that, you know, penguins live on the on the ice mass in Antarctica. And when it's time to eat, they all go together, but they don't go into the water at the same time. One penguin goes. And if that penguin comes back with a fish in its mouth and they don't see any dorsal fins, they're like, great. If that penguin doesn't come back, everybody's fasting that day, if you're tracking <laughs> with me. Right. But, but the deal is, one penguin's got to have the courage to go. And he yeah. said, so I want to reward every semester in every class the kid that takes the most risks. Mm. So think about fifth grade science fair, right? Mm. I mean, hey, Billy's parents obviously built the volcano. Uh, okay, <laughs> he's going to get first place. But why don't we reward... Um, Cooper, who tried to build a nuclear reactor. Now, property <laughs> values are down in the community <laughs> for the next 286,000 years or whatever. But man, the kid swung big. And I, I want to teach our kids, swing big, 
right? I mean, there, there's something great inside of every single one of our children. And so, you know, we need to lead them and we need to coach them to lead each other. Uh, and that's how yeah. we're going to transform society. So. Right. Amen. Yep. And you know, swing big is definitely going to be in one of those uh, streams. It's got to be something we're training. I mean, that will play well with them. Word pictures, Absolutely. things like that. Well, yeah. Speaking of books. Yeah. Let's go into that. Cause I want to make sure we talk about that. Tell us about the five day leader. Where did those ideas come from? I have read it and I'm planning to order copies obviously from my leadership team here, but maybe just tell us a little bit if you can. And, uh, and uh, I know it's going to be hard to wrap that up, but, uh, but we have five days, but tell us, yeah, was this the, the result of years of, of, Hey, I've been jotting these things down or was this, Nope, this is how I've done life. It's worked. And this is really what I decided to, to pen finally. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. It's, it's, it's the genesis of two things. Number one, I was on a flight and a guy asked me, who's the most impressive leaders you've ever worked with? And so I started to answer that question. And then later that night when I got to the hotel side, I, I really gave it some thought. And I wrote down the, the, the men and the women that I've worked with that have impressed me the most. Cy, your name was obviously on the list. Um, and, <laughs> right. And then, I started, and then I started thinking, why? What was it about them that impressed me so much? And that's where I came up with this idea of always Always, these leaders possessed a relentless desire to grow, um, ridiculous routines. They never got tired of doing the same good thing over and over again. Mm. And, I mean, for example, um, I coached the president at the Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas for years. Mm. That guy came to work every day like it was his first day on the job. I mean, and I'm like, how, how do you bring that level of energy every single day? Um, so that ridiculous routine, those relentless growth pr uh, principles, and then they built resilient relationships. They, they had relationships where they, they would survive the challenges and the stresses of life. And mm. so that was the genesis of the first half of the book. And then um, I started to think about, you know, Peloton. I'm a big fan of Peloton. What I love about Peloton is I get on the bike. They tell me how fast to ride, what my tension needs to be, and how long I'm going to do it. And so it sets a challenge. And I, I, like most people, I love meeting a good challenge. Orange Theory, they do the same thing. And so the five-day leader is on Monday, there are three specific challenges. One related to mm. relentless growth, one related to ridiculous routines, one related to resilient relationships. And so it's just every day picking up those three challenges and trying to get them across the finish line. I mean, mm. Cy, you know, you've read it. Some of those days, it's 10 minutes. Other days, yeah. Tough Tuesday, we say take an hour and commit to grow. But I've lived those principles now. I, I, I didn't write the book until I'd lived the principles for more than a year. I've been living them now over three years. And I mean, just consistently, uh, I see those simple behaviors grow credibility and influence. And those are the two most important resources we can have as a leader. Yeah, yeah. Great, great stuff. I love it. Which one, uh, both ends, which one has been the easiest for you to do over the years because it's just how you're wired and which one has been the most challenging and you think probably is going to be the most challenging for most people? 
you know, uh, the easiest, I think, is move the needle Monday. I mean, you know, Monday is typically yeah. one of the least productive days. So, I mean, move the needle Monday, define your priorities, celebrate some needle movers. I mean, those are, are really fun, easy behaviors. Um, I, for right. me, throw back Thursday because I got to address an issue if I've thought about it more than once, which for people that don't love conflict can be a challenge. And yeah. reflecting, you know, there's so many, le I mean, I look at all those great books behind you, you know, mm -hmm. reflecting on what's the best thing I learned this week and how yeah. can I put it into practice? Yeah. Because some of us walk around with so much, so much knowledge, but not always a lot of common sense. And so, you know, the, the goal is let's make common sense, common practice. Yeah. What do you hope that uh, school leaders like me and Christian educators, you know, when you're handing that book out at ACSI events and things like that. Is there a takeaway that you say when you get back on the plane? You know, I hope that the team looks at this book and I hope this is a big takeaway for them. And this is really what you want, especially those of us that do Christian education, because I know that you have a passion about that as well. And I know you agree with oh, me yeah. that, hey, if we're going to move culture, this is a great way to start, obviously. And this is the best chance of significance is you have to have eight, nine, 10, 16, 18 year olds who really think with a biblical worldview. What do you hope those leaders and school administrators, you know, like me take away from that five day leader? Well, Sai, I'd say two things. Number one, take those same principles into your classroom, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've got a bunch of eight year olds, have a move the needle Monday. What's the most important one or two things you want to do this week? Do you have a championship soccer game? Do you have a spelling test? How do I, how do I manage my behavior to be at my best when my best is demanded. Um, so I'd hope they'd take some of that. Um, I mean, there, there are certain schools where that's a, that's a staff decree. I mean, that's part of their lesson plan is move the needle Monday, tough Tuesday, wow Wednesday. But Cy, the thing I really want people to take is this, the power of compounding behaviors. Mm. So for example, let's go back to move the needle Monday, celebrate two needle movers. Sai, it's not going to change your level of credibility or influence with your staff if on Monday you send two quick emails or text messages or handwritten notes to people who did something exceptional the week before. But do it every week, Sai. Do it 52 weeks a year because I know you don't take time off. And now you've celebrated <laughs> 104 needle movers, right? And here's the beauty of, of the five-day leader. When you develop those habits, you start doing that on Wednesday and on Thursday too. You know, on, on Throwback Thursday, record the one thing you learned that was most significant to you that week and then implement it. You do that 52 times your credibility and influence is going to change. It's this power of compounding behaviors. If there's one thing I'd want people to take away, it'd be that is the key idea from the book. Now, I think that's a perfect idea. And you, I don't think you can say that too much in these circles. And so I would just no. encourage you when you're giving these speeches, yeah, keep be relentless about telling us that because you know our world and you know the busyness of it and right now i mean there there's not a free day there's not a free night i mean you're in may you're getting ready for graduation from literally from preschool graduation to high school graduation and so the tyranny of the urgent obviously and we talk about that a lot but even in a situation you know like mine where you have hundreds of kids even in the biggest of schools there is just always a multitude of things to get done and then of course you're you're trying to be proactive but then you're unfortunately way too reactive so if we can keep that in front of us and say listen uh, don't forget this because it is the compounding behavior piece 
It's making it right. a habit that you're going to have to get some steam. It kind of goes back to even the Peloton. You know, you're going to have to get in the habit of biking. You're going to have to get in the habit of exercise. Yeah. You're going to have to get, and you know, you're going to see results over time. We all know that. that we didn't ascend to these positions just by chance, right? We've done something uh, to get there. So what you're saying is so, so true. But even people like myself need to be reminded that those small things will will really compound over time. So I, I think that's just great, great advice and appreciate you sharing. Well, tell us a little bit more about if they want to know more about Integris, what exactly is Integris and how can we uh, follow you? How can they stay in touch with you? Because again, we've just scratched the surface here, but I'm sure there's going to be an audience out there that says, oh yes, I, I gravitate to what he's saying. Oh, I remember him. He was at a conference. I'm so glad Cy had him on the show. Uh, how do I make sure I keep in touch with uh, Lyle Wells? Well, you know, our, our mission at Integris is to equip and encourage kingdom leaders for greater impact. So Christian school leaders, pastors, faith-based nonprofits, if you're a Christian business leader uh, and you see your work as ministry, those are the leaders that we love to serve the most. And so it's just Integris.org would be the easiest place to find us and find out more uh, about what we do. Um, with me, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter um, at, at Lead with Lyle. Um, and uh, so um, I post those little mic drops, try to get a couple of those uh, a week. Um, and then the five day leader, you know, it's available on Amazon. There's a five day leader.com. If you want to go to the website and learn more about the book, um, we have five day leader courses. We have, uh, individual coaching for people. Um, and, uh, again, our heart, um, what God put on me years ago, Cy, nobody shepherds the shepherds, nobody teaches the teacher, nobody encourages the encourager, nobody rescues the rescuer. And um, that's our heart at Integris. That's what we love to do. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you do it. And thank you so much for responding to those calls. When Jeff Matner and all those ACSI people call you, I am so glad you've been a friend of those organizations because I'm not kidding you, brother. When they tell me that the small group roundtable is going to be led by Lyle Wells, I mean, I, I immediately look for United Airlines or Delta or somebody and say, yeah, I'm, I'm at that convention. I don't care who's behind him, but that's an event I want to be at. And I, and I certainly mean that with great respect. You're too kind, but... Sai, you and the other Christian educators, you're force multipliers. Um, you know, I mean, if, if we can equip and encourage you, um, you know, you've got teachers that see 130 kids a day, right? You've got coaches mm. that are coaching hundreds of players from middle school on through high school that are influencing their programs. So um, we see educators. Um, and, and that's where I started. Uh, there, you'll read some of that. You read some of that in the five day leader, but educators are the force multipliers and Christian schools. They should be the best schools in our country. Uh, and I just want to encourage every Christian school leader out there. Don't follow a paradigm of a failed public school model. Dream big, swing big, do great things at your school, start a leadership class and, um, feed these kids what they're most hungry for is ways to not be average. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us today on the Clearly Christian podcast. And I trust that now you know more. You know more about leadership. You know more about leadership training. But more importantly, you know why it's so critical for Christians to understand and why it's so essential for us as we try to move the needle, move this culture back to where 
God would want us to go. The future of our country, the future of our faith, the future of the church depends on it. So it's a great subject, and it's been a pleasure to talk about this today. Because as I said earlier, the only way we're going to turn things around in our country is to increase the number of people who live and operate with a biblical worldview, and they see things from God's perspective. And the best way to do that is to get kids a Christian education, either at home or church, so that they understand the world from God's perspective and can truly multiply themselves and lead this next generation closer to a walk with Christ. Thank you again. This has been Clearly Christian with Dr. Cy Smith. Thank you for listening to the Clearly Christian podcast with Dr. Cy Smith. Hear more episodes at clearlychristianeducation.com. If you'd like more information about Christian education in your neighborhood, or if you're interested in education opportunities at Mansfield Christian School, or if you agree with Dr. Smith and want to help him in his mission to influence and awaken Christian America, you can send Dr. Smith an email through the clearlychristianeducation.com website. Message him on the Clearly Christian LinkedIn or Facebook page, or call the Clearly Christian Connect line at 419-756-5651. This has been the Clearly Christian Podcast with Dr. Cy Smith on clearlychristianeducation.com. Brought to you in conjunction with Mansfield Christian School. A Brian Media Production.